Hey everybody, welcome to episode two of the Photographer's Underground. I'm Jonathan Corbett, and today I've got a photographer with me today who um, we we try on this podcast to get photographers in here who aren't famous, who you may have never heard of, but nevertheless, they're on the front lines doing photography, dealing with the same troubles, uh, the same type of clients that everyone else is dealing with. Uh, so today I've got a photographer who I think is very well established. He's done lots of good work, has some struggles he's gotten through, but he's also had a lot of successes. Uh, so I'm happy to have with me today, Jason Hamden. Thank you. Happy to be here. Thank right. you, man. Yeah, no problem at all. Um, what I would like to do probably just to get everything started off is to fill in a lot of your backstory, how you got started in photography. And I don't know a lot of this myself necessarily. Um, how many years you've been doing it, what you did before it, why you switched into photography, then your journey in photography from year one to today. Yeah. So go ahead and knock it out. Uh, so even though I originally started my business, you know, in 2016, it's right. kind of been like touch and go beforehand before I even found like the true passion behind it. Um, so, you know, I was you know originally born in New York. Okay. You know, I moved to North Carolina in 2000, 2001. All right. We're and, in New York? Uh, Queens. 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 Okay. And so my mom worked, you know, in Manhattan in the city. And any time where, you know, I had no school, she would take me with me and just a little kid kind of walking through the city and just kind of being surrounded by so many people, so much, you know, interaction and connections going on, you know, big buildings, you know, just so much, uh, so much beauty that you kind of lose sight of when you move out of, you know, a larger city into kind of like a smaller city. Yeah. And, you and know, we're uh, we're located in Greensboro, North Carolina, so <laughs> not New York. Absolutely, <laughs> absolutely. But Greensboro is an awesome place. Yeah. Um, and you know, kind of moving here, you know, I I felt very like disconnected from a lot of people. I didn't make you know a lot of friends, you know, as quickly as I wanted to. Um, you know, things were just different here. So it took a lot of you know patience and just kind of understanding. It works a bit differently as smaller paced kind of lifestyle and environment okay. which it was okay so you didn't get your photography started in new york you got started here in greensboro absolutely okay absolutely um all right so how did you get started you're 32 now mm -hmm. so if you got started four years ago you were 28 mm -hmm. what did you do for all those years before you got started in photography i majored in information technology okay you know years before that you know i worked as a radiology technician at my mom's you graduated? hospital yeah. Okay. Um, and so, you know, she wanted a different path for me as, you know, other moms do. Right. Um, but, you know, when things kind of turned, I was about two years, two and a half years into, um, you know, my bachelor's and, you know, she got, you know, sick with cancer. Um, this was, this started in 2011 is when she had her first uh, cancer scare. Um, and I was kind of at a different place at that time. And, you know, she's the only one that I had, it was just her and I, you know, she was my best friend. So, um, you know, kind of being, you know, with her, I decided to withdraw, take a break from school and just make sure I could be there, you know, as much as possible. Um, during the second time she got, you know, cancer again, I remember having a conversation with her and it was just like, you know, Jason, I love you so much. We've, you know, been together through thick and thin, you know, I just don't think that I can, you know, do chemo treatments again. And 
again, I withdrew, you know, the second time. But even during the what six, years is this? Uh, so this was 2012, 2013. Okay. So it's only like a year or two later. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. yeah. Um, and so I was just in a place where I was realizing why I was doing IT, why I was pursuing that career. And it was, you know, it was all for her. Right. Um, I know a lot of people have opportunities in their younger years to kind of figure themselves out and kind of figure out, you know, this is what I want to do. Like, this is what my calling is like, you know, and you're just going to go, you know, gung ho for it. I didn't have that path. Right. Um, it, everything was kind of positioned for me. You either, you know, do A or B. There's nothing in between, um, you know, which I completely understand at this point, you know, in my life. But looking back, I think those were the years that I would have rather have experimented and tried a lot of, you know, different things and kind of figured myself out. It's a, a lot more. easier to do when you're younger. It right? is. It yeah. is. It is. Um, and so when she, uh, you know, was sick, you know, she, you know, was you know, at home at the time. And I just remember photography for me was just something that I used to do when I was a kid and, you know, being in extreme sports, you know, I used to rollerblade and things like that. And, you know, being in that community, you had a lot of, you know, professional photographers and cinematographers who would, you know, come out and, you know, shoot our teams. Be and, cool shots. Yeah. yeah. And, and our sponsors and things like that. So I was always very curious on, you know, how did you, how did you come up with the composition, the lighting, the storytelling, the actual connection behind it? You know, these were all kind of produced into different kind of magazines all over the world. And I was like, man, like this is a, this is a different form of content. You know, I really love it. Um, and so I, it didn't really click for me until, you know, after she passed away, everything just, you know, completely changed. Now you just mentioned that, you know, after she passed away, um, obviously that wasn't such a small thing. Right. Do you want right. to cover that more in depth or? Yeah, we can. Absolutely. So when did she pass away? Uh, she passed away in April, 2014. Okay. So that's two years before you ever got into photography. Mm -hmm. Um, <sighs> Do you want to take us through, I mean, is that why you moved away from New York or when did you move away from New York? We moved early on. So we, we moved. In so you moved 2000. together. Yeah, we moved together. We okay. moved together. And I think for her, you know, she was transitioning to a different job. And I think being in New York um, for so long, she wanted both of us just to have like a, a different life, quieter right. life, simple life. You know, New York is just very stressful. Even with transportation alone, going from, you know, Queens to New York and, you know, even schools the same way. Um, at the time, of course, I didn't really see it that way. I'm like, right. man, I'm moving away from, you know, friends and everything that I've known. But uh, I, I, I believe now at this point, you know, she made one of the best decisions that, you know, ever. Okay. So. Sorry, one second. <laughs> it's okay. I got it. <laughs> All right. Um. So do you think you're not just, you know, this, but you're what what events in your life push you away from, you know, radiology and, and being a tech and moving towards something creative? Because honestly, when it sounds like you don't have the family that, you know, so many people do, it seems like going out and pursuing a more risky, less paying potentially something that you know nothing about mm -hmm. to go into photography seems like uh, a real unnatural direction. Yeah. Uh, what a lot of people would say that's, I'm not, 
and I'm not saying that you did say do anything stupid because you know how I feel about people who do photography. That's like the best thing I think people should do. Absolutely. I'm certainly proud that I did. And when I did, a lot of people told, if they didn't tell me, they were thinking, you know, and a lot of people did say that I was doing a foolish thing. Um, seems like it would have been a lot harder for you to do this. Like there was no good reason to say, you know what? I'm going to pick up a camera. I'm going to learn a skill that I didn't learn in college. I'm going to teach it myself. I'm going to figure out how to charge for it. I'm going to figure out how to get clients. Um, but that's kind of how I approached it anyway. Mm-hmm. I'm getting a feeling, though, even for you, it was more of just very not even that. I don't know. Like, uh, how do you go from dealing with all those things you were dealing with in your life 2014 you lose your mom and she seems like she's the center of your life like mm-hmm. your whole world not just the center of your world but all of your world absolutely you moved from new york into greensboro now she's gone mm-hmm. from 2014 to 2016 can you just take us through your life at that point even though it's not including photography yeah so yeah when so she passed i i just completely lost it um depression anxiety just frustration anger the whole nine i completely lost touch of who i was and so when she passed away i was just questioning everything that kind of happened up until this point it's almost like i didn't even know like you know who i was at the end of the day because so much of my identity was you know i want to make my mom happy of course and I'll do whatever, you know, it takes to provide for her and, you know, and things like that, provide for myself, obviously. So I went through a, a long transition of just, I, I guess the correct term would be, you know, finding out who I was at the end of the day, what my likes were, what my dislikes were, because honestly, I couldn't remember any time before that when I asked myself that question. You know, well, uh, one of the reasons I admire you so much is because uh, I kind of look up to you in a way because you seem so. You know me; I try to see how many hours a day I can work. Yeah, right? very productive. Very <laughs> yeah. productive. Um, and every once in a while, I stop and think, like, okay, you know, let me rethink my life, why, my my uh, life balance. Um, let me make sure I'm spending time with the people who are important to me. Uh, make sure I'm not doing anything I regret. And you seem to really appreciate, at least from my perspective, okay, I, I could be completely wrong, but from the outside looking in, it seems like you really take pleasure in and seek the joy in, in, in a lot of the things you do. Like, you're not going to do something for the money. Right. Like it seems like you were really pursuing something more meaningful in your life and in your in your profession and in your art, um, because you you pursue industries and you pursue certain things. You obviously, love working with people a lot Absolutely. more than a lot more than I do. <laughs> <laughs> um, so I feel like all of th- these things you've gone through have obviously. I mean, they, it's impossible not to. Um, affect how you came into photography. Right. Um, 
Have you ever heard uh, people sing and you know that they've had tragic things in their life and they just seems to sing better? And you can feel it. For it? Right. Yeah. Uh, I recognize that maybe that's one of the reasons why I liked your photography so much when I... Well, first of all, we met in like uh, a church. Mm-hmm. Um, and lots of times you you'll meet someone at work or something and they're like, Oh, you're a photographer. Jason's a photographer too. It's like, Oh, okay. Yeah, I'm sure. You know, and, and there's so many photographers you meet, you know, not trying to be mean that, you know, they'll have a Facebook page or even maybe they'll have a website, but they don't, they're not serious about it. Uh, they don't, no offense, have any talent. They enjoy it. They love what they do, but you know, it's not something you can look at and be like, wow, impressed. That's something I immediately saw in your work. It's like, whew, I appreciate um, that. Man. Yeah, really. Uh, your lighting, especially super that. good. Um, how did, how did you go from 2014 working through all of that, um, to leaving your job, discovering photography and kind of t- taking flight into that? Like what made you, when things were at their hardest, make things even harder. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. So I was doing a lot of things, um, you know, before my mom passed away school, you know, I was actually working at office Depot at the time as a computer technician. Yeah. And it just got to the point where it just felt so mundane and so dead end that I didn't really know what else to do. Cause like, okay, I can't turn, I didn't want to turn to a nine to five, but I didn't want to turn to a degree that I wasn't really passionate about. And it's like, for me at least, I find it very hard to commit to something if I don't feel a sense of purpose behind it, even if I'm doing it like with the right intentions, that makes any sense. No, it makes perfect sense. And I'm actually thinking now, like it actually makes a lot of sense to you try to find something that you enjoyed because I imagine I could do a really hard job like roofing, um, especially as a redhead, uh, <laughs> if it meant that I was putting table uh, food on the table for my family. Absolutely. Like obviously I would hate every minute of roofing mm-hmm. uh, and it would be an unbearable job. But if it meant that I was putting, but with you, you could maybe get a great paying job that, you know, you're getting, paid six figures multiple six figures sure, yeah but if you're not enjoying it what's it all for right. especially because i mean you're single your mom had recently passed away so you're really searching for something that actually mattered mm-hmm. to you absolutely that makes a lot of sense actually that's why you do it yeah yeah um and it didn't really come into play until you know one of my best friends who is a writer so he went to arizona state then he went to florida state university um, in Tallahassee and I had made a promise to him that I was going to visit him in Arizona I never could you know because she got sick and I just didn't want to leave her mm-hmm. um, we missed his graduation felt terrible but you know he understood it. we were all family yeah um, and after everything had happened you know I decided to make a trip to see him when he was in Tallahassee and this was for you know his master's for me, it was just going to be just a regular trip, you know, seeing a buddy, you know, hanging out with him for a week or so. At the time, I think he was working on 
um, an individual project. You know, everyone in the class had individual projects to work on. So I was like, okay, cool. You know, like show me around campus. Love to meet you know the people that you're that you're with and things like that. And you know, lo and behold, you know, within a couple of days of being on campus with him, you know, he showed me around. You know, his editing suite and all the places that they were shooting. You know, uh, like the foley room where they make the sound effects and. Okay, now you said he was a writer. He's a writer. So is he writing for a studio or? No, he's writing like well, right now. He's writing for his own feature film, but he's a writer and a director. Okay, so super okay. amazing. Okay, so he's writing in. He's a writer in the film industry. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I was thinking like writing poetry. Oh no, writing, no. like Harry Potter. No, no, okay. no, no. All right, all right. But you know, everybody, um, regardless of what you're going in for, you have a chance to be a part of something different. So you're a writer, okay? Where you're going to learn sound, you're going to learn cinematography, and and you're basically just going to do a cycle of all the things, you know, that the campus had to offer. Right. Um, just so you have that, that traditional background. Um, and there was like one particular night where I was with him editing um, one of his productions and I just kind of like turned to him and he's like, man, you get to do this like all the time. It's like, you know, past midnight, you know, and we're just kind of hanging out and talking and editing his film and, and watching the different cuts that he's making. I was like, man, like what freedom, like what, you know what what beauty it can be you know you know late at night and it doesn't matter to you you could do this all day all night 36 hours a day yeah and it's what you love to do and I was like that's what that's what I want um and so that's kind of where I remember that photography was a, a very important um aspect of my life even though I was like kind of touch and go over the years so you had been doing photography at this point it's not something you picked up cold it's something you'd already right just like like bits and pieces but you know nothing like so so serious but I had learned what you know I guess you call my mentors you know taught me along the way um and I think the after that point I, I would always go back to that moment where my mom had passed away and I was like life is way too short to pursue something that I'm not passionate about or it's just not like in my being to do. And it sounded crazy at first, but that was probably the first and only thing at that point in time in my life where I was like 100% sure, like, yeah, this is this is what I want to do. And I remember being so ecstatic. You know, I flew home, invested in my first, you know, camera, um, you know, lenses and, you know, things like that. And I just I just got to work. You know, um, this is like 2016. This is yeah, 2016 is kind Ish. of I mean, where obviously everything don't have exact dates on yeah, all this, like formulated, right? And you're in Greensboro, in and Greensboro. Uh, so how do you go about deciding? Okay, obviously um, you want to take this seriously for your, like as a pro, you want to go pro. Mm-hmm. How do you go about deciding which industry you want to go into? Is it, do you follow strictly? I want to, well, first of all, tell us what you do do now. I mean, uh, what is your primary, uh, industries, your, your primary target markets, what you enjoy doing shooting? You do photo and video. I mean, quite well. I do. Thank you. Um, which not everybody can conquer. So, uh, maybe you can just keep it to 2016 for now, but what were you primarily going after from the onset? I had no clue. i i had i had no clue um whatever people would pay you to start yeah um but i knew that there was going to be a a certain length of time where i could experiment you know and learn the fundamentals and really get it solid you know in my mind and did you quit your job straight away did you have a certain amount of money put away that you know you could survive off of like a savings emergency fund or did you just kind of 
Culture could quit your job and then just go out there every day and talk to people, or was it something that you would do on the weekends and keep your job? What like because we've been talking about a lot of personal stuff, but now sure. let's talk a little bit more about um, the practical steps, the strategies you took or lack of lack thereof, mm-hmm. um, the risks that you took on. Like, <sighs> did you have any of that, or did you cut cold turkey? Did you kind of wean yourself off? A salary or a full-time job like it honestly all happened so fast you know I had a really good relationship with you know the my my crew members at Office Depot okay and they were very understanding and supportive of when she was sick so there was a time where I just I, I just wasn't working um, and they're like take as long as you want um, so I had a bit of time to kind of not not sort through what I wanted to do, but just in terms of I needed that space to feel like I can process this one thing. And that was, you know, being with her. And so when she had passed, obviously there was, you know, um, insurance money involved. And I just remember when I found out, I was so unhappy. Like I didn't, care like I I just I would have traded all the money in the world to just have her and so it didn't really dawn on me until you know shortly after she had passed like what was going on and what I was kind of falling into and so for those couple of years I was just you know in transition of just I don't want to say existing but I was also living excuse me living at the same time right so it was a good mixture the existing aspect just felt like you know dealing with depression um and just anger now when you say depression do you mean just natural depression obviously because of your mom's passing or did you actually have like diagnosed depression that you were like going to someone for or was it just natural depression it was it was just a natural okay a natural right. depression because sometimes people talk about for it sure. a lot and for sure it's hard to know which exactly i yeah. understand um You know, and so I was kind of on this trajectory of just kind of figuring myself out and allowing the funds that I had at the time to give me the time that I needed to do that. Right. Yeah. Okay. Um, So then using that and and going from that type of starting point, um, I know there was a period, maybe this is about when we met in 2017. It was pretty recent. Mm-hmm. Uh, pretty must have been pretty recently after your mom's death, and I did not know about all of that. So you weren't like going around the place, beating yourself up, telling everybody about it. It was, mm-hmm. I mean, I, 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 I'm not sure when I found out about it, but um, <sighs> I know that around when I met you, you had a lot of clients that you're traveling from you know, all, all across North Carolina, uh, you were putting up some great work on your Instagram. What's your Instagram, by the way? Uh, the J Hampton. Okay. The J Hampton. In case yeah. you want to guys follow, follow him. How many, uh, followers do you have now? You, you, did you delete your Instagram at one point? I kind of changed it up. Okay. So I've got, I've got two accounts right now. Okay. But how many followers do you have about total? I not, mean, not that, total, that matters. Like seven, 800 in total. Okay. So it's not that much. Yeah. Um, but, uh, Take us to the height of your career and how you got there. So you started in 2016, and I know that uh, you had um, 
a lot of success where you're doing really well. Mm-hmm. And uh, sometimes I ask you, you know, hey, man, how's business going? And you're always honest with me. Sometimes you're like, man, couldn't be better. Yeah. Sometimes you're like, man, honestly, uh, <laughs> it sucks. <laughs> Not sure how I'm going to make it. <laughs> yeah. um, so tell us how you went from the beginning to kind of like um, when you were at like your prime. That was kind of like before, and I don't want to spoil anything, but when you met other family. Yeah. Um, so take us, take us from that journey from square one to um, top of the top of the world so square one would probably be when i found out who joey l was okay who's joey l joey l is probably my favorite photographer of all time you know famous portrait photographer based in i think brooklyn new york Mm -hmm. um he kind of has like this rembrandt documentary uh style uh work and i was just automatically in awe of his work especially his lighting and his ability okay. to form a connection with everyone that he worked with and then to tell a story after. So it was taking the complete aspect of what I've always, I've always like learned about photography or photographers in general in terms of, you know, this is my latest work, you know, X, Y, Z, but more so of, you know, if I took a portrait of you, it was just very in depth of your story. It was about you and being able to take yourself out of the equation. And that's kind of what I loved about his authenticity and so I kind of wanted to dive into that a little bit um, and learn lighting you know from him and I think from that point on I just I became you know very very technical in terms of you know the things I wanted to learn and how I wanted to kind of portray my work and if I couldn't portray my work in a certain way then I just I wouldn't do it or I would give myself more time to understand you know the why behind everything I did. You definitely had a lot of uh, success in pursuing lighting and everything. And and that's what makes um, someone who photographs people, especially so good is understanding lighting. Mm -hmm. I know you had like pro photos, like nicest (laughs) lighting equipment and uh, (laughs) you're doing really well, but like step by step, how do you think you got there? You may not have necessarily done it all on purpose, but um, how did you get to the point where you, you had so many clients where you just, taking cool shots and posting them on Instagram and making sure you included enough hashtags and tagging certain people like and hacking all the strategies of Instagramming or you on Facebook where you posting on Craigslist where you're sending out emails or you uh, trying to take advantage of the people you already knew and asking for referrals like what helped your growth so that was the main thing that I should have done in the very beginning, but obviously you're just kind of like a running gun situation. Right. You're so just learning as you go. Especially you've never run your own business before. Absolutely not. So you're very, very fresh. Fresh newbie. Yeah. You know, okay. completely. Um, so, you know, I had a family member who I call family and, you know, she worked, she works for a, a global organization. And at that point I knew enough to kind of get my foot in the door right and so I was hired through her job um, to do a series of headshots for her company and that was kind of my first official you know corporate job so your first first thing you actually sunk your teeth into was um, something that was like a network that kind of like someone you knew hooked you up with yeah okay yeah so it's kind of like referral Mm -hmm. all right and I always like to keep track of that in my own mind because um I have noticed in my professional experience, and I know this is anecdotal, but 
I'm very good with search engine optimization. I can post a lot on social media. I can hack the algorithms, quote unquote, quite easily. I understand how they work. I understand how to get maximum exposure for all the content I post. Mm -hmm. But even though I'm the first result for certain keywords in my area for for on Google and being for, uh, you know, like I said, certain keywords and, you know, just killing it on the search engine optimization. Mm-hmm. Um, something a lot of people will pay thousands of dollars to get to the referrals I personally get or the leads I would say I personally get from online resources doesn't even come close to the referrals I get from people I've already worked with. Um, I actually don't get too much business for family and friends. I actually tell my family and friends, like, if you've got a referral for me, don't even tell me because I'm going to tell them no. Because I just don't want to mix business, friends, and family. Um, So I would say, like, 90% of my work comes from doing a good job from people and then asking for more work from them, letting them know that I I would like. Um, Your experience wasn't... The same though. I mean, your first job that you suck your teeth into mm-hmm. was um, someone you knew networking. Yeah. So you got it through networking. Right. Um, what was, how did it grow from there? Continuing to network? I, I would say that I am extremely introverted. Okay. And it was very difficult for me to kind of network and put myself out there. All right. Um, but in the heat of the moment when I'm working, when I'm out in the field, I'm just com- I'm a completely different person. Like I'm very energetic, very lively, you know, talk your head off, have conversation. Um, so that was never in my mind when I first, you know, started, even after my first couple of, you know, like really solid jobs. So I was just kind of posting and sharing on Instagram. I wasn't super big on Facebook, trying to use the best hashtags I possibly could. And, and honestly, there were certain hashtags that I would think, no, I'm not going to put that. But then, you know, you're given, you know, 15 maximum or something at that point in 20. time. Oh, 20 okay. Back then. Yeah. Back then it was a little bit All less. Right. And so I was just like, well, let me like just cover my bases and, you know, see what happens. And eventually, you know, one thing would lead to another. You know, someone would find me based off of one hashtag and that would lead into a meeting and that meeting would lead into a job. And then, you know, you do enough work, you build enough relationships, you're just kind of moving forward. You know, Did you post on anything else besides Instagram, Facebook? Craigslist. Honestly, besides my website and Instagram at the time, that was it. Okay. And you got a lot of success out of that, didn't you? Right. So um, after a few years, year one, year two, um, if you don't mind, you don't have to answer this, but what would you say was like your greatest income year so far? Before... So it's 2020 now. I would say 2018. Okay. That was a that was a very interesting year. That was when um, a lot of things happened. If I can share. Yeah. Share okay. Anything you want. That's um, why we're on the underground here because <laughs> I want people to talk about a lot of things you usually wouldn't talk about. Like, and that includes industry secrets, whatever. Uh, personal grudges, whatever you want. (laughs) I I know that it it ranges and differs from person to person on how they are able to acquire leads and leads into jobs. Um, For me, it it was almost like every, like just real experience that had nothing to do with photography led to an opportunity 
for growth in my business, which was like really weird. Right. Um, and you know, my, I did not have a good relationship with my father. You know, he was still in New York at the time. So it had been over 10 years since I had a connection with him. Okay. So this is 2018. Yeah. All right. Yeah. Um, then, you know, I had a buddy of mine who was from the Bronx who I met through skating. So we both lived in North Carolina and he was like, you know, let's, let's take a trip, uh, to New York. Um, and so we did, he actually found my dad. Now, did he find your dad? Sorry, I'm jumping in here. <laughs> did he find your dad with your permission? Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Like, or did he yeah. just go out and do this on his own? No, no. He, he okay. had permission. Okay. All right. Uh, I yes. was I was almost you know <laughs> completely. Because if someone it. had done that to me, man, I'd have been like, man, mind your business. <laughs> yeah. What are you doing? Yeah. Okay. Um. He he's like a brother, so it was just like, all right. Okay. 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 Yeah, okay. Um. You know, so we we basically you know drive up, and I'm I'm seeing him for the first time in over a decade, and you know I'm just kind of like looking at him like like so much time has passed, and I only have seen him so many times in my life at that point. So how many times? Like, like, you can count on one hand. Probably count on one hand, man. Probably, <sighs> yeah. Okay. Um, you know, we went upstairs just having you know conversations, and you know he he's sitting down and I'm kind of looking in his apartment and I'm kind of remembering certain things uh, in our old house when we were, you know, living together in New York before they got, you know, divorced. It was just bringing back so many memories. And he looks at me and he was like, you know, you have a sister. And that's when everything was just like, come again. You know what I mean? Like repeat that. And he was like, yeah, yeah. She, she lives in Canada. Um, you have a whole family in Canada and I'm just sitting there awestruck, like, I was just coming to see you. I, you know, I, I wasn't expecting this. This is the last thing that I was going to expect. Now, did your friend know this? No. Okay. No, so no. this is complete blindside. Yeah. Yeah. Woo. Yeah. Okay. Um, <laughs> and, and, you know, long story short, you know, we, we started talking on the phone and we just, we just automatically had this, you know, really great connection. And in the back of my mind, I knew what I was going to do, but I wasn't sure how I was going to go about doing it. Right. Um, and so, you know, we said our goodbyes, you know, to my father and had 10 hours on the road to get back to North Carolina. Just kind of just in the thought that I had a sister, I had another sibling out there. Now, did, uh, just out of curiosity to bring closure to the meeting of your dad, um, mm-hmm. did you, how did you feel about seeing your dad? Obviously, you're excited about finding me more family, but. I mean, are you and your dad cool or did you just kind of there? I had a lot of questions um, and that was kind of what the meeting I was hoping for would be Mm. to get some answers. Like, you know, even after the separation, you know, where were you kind of, you know, what a lot of people, you know, tend to go through. Yeah. Yeah. Um, And so in, in terms of, if we were cool, it was it was all forgiven before I even walked in the door and I saw him. You know, I was just like, I, I just wanted you back in my life. Yes, I was fighting against it, but you were a completely that. different person than I. Am. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, trust me, I had I had years and years of frustration and anger built up inside. Like, I'll never want to, you know, see him ever again. He doesn't want anything to do with me, kind of thing. Man, I still hold grudges against friends friends yeah. i had in middle school like oh yeah i remember those i remember some of those grudges in man high uh, school middle school man i could not have forgiven <laughs> uh so and i'm not saying um that's a bad thing either like i'm really saying 
wow, good for you. I couldn't have done that. <laughs> but uh, yeah, I'm yeah. glad just for both your sakes that you were able to. I appreciate that. All right. So uh, that blows your mind. Mm-hmm. And you're in the middle of running a business. Um, you find out you have a sister in Canada. And how does that change your life and in turn change how you think about business? Obviously, um, well, maybe we should pause and also think, like, what are you trying to accomplish through photography? Because some people will start a business and then choose an industry they'd be good at or something. Mm-hmm. And they just choose photography because they know they, they think they can make a good profit. But they have... Um, a goal that has nothing to do with meaning or purpose. It just says, I, this is the vehicle that I'm going to use to provide for my family. I want to live in this size of house. I want to have this type of lifestyle. Um, you are already pursuing photography because you want to do something that matters to you. Mm-hmm. You don't want to live. Um, is there any type of goal you're trying to accomplish as far as monthly income or anything like that at that, at that time? At that particular time, yes and no. Or are you just trying to make it month to month? Like, let's pay my rent, let's put food in my stomach, and if I accomplish that, then awesome. Yeah. Is, that, is that the kind of mindset you have? It was, it was a bit of a mixture. Um, it was half... You know, I want to see how far I can go, how far I can take it, you know, just in terms of, um, you know, brands and companies that I could, you know, potentially work with and grow and build with. Because hmm. for me at that point, it was just the relationship aspect and, and I don't want to say acquiring clients, but meeting people in hopes of servicing whatever needs that they had. Right. And then all, and allowing them to grow in turn, I would grow naturally. Uh the other aspect was I still had, you know, a little bit of funds left from when my mom had passed away. Okay. So it was kind of like I wasn't too worried about it, but then I knew like I really have to, you know, hit the ground running as hard as I can. Are you naturally a frugal person or do you kind of his money slip through your fingers kind of thing? Uh I'm frugal now. Okay. <laughs> I'm, I am frugal on that. Okay. So I guess um, that answers my question. Yeah. All right. Well, back then I wasn't, I wasn't, I wasn't bad per se. Like you're not, you're not like uh, going to a car dealership and rolling out with a Mercedes no. with a $500 a month payment. No. Like, cause no. those people exist and it blows my mind. And, uh, you know, I sold cars for like two months mm-hmm. and the people who walk in there and walk out with a payment that was for a small house. Yeah was mind-blowing anyway and they were perfectly happy doing it Uh, i just could not understand it i mean um all right so i would say you're not you know big spender you're okay um all right so i just wanted to get that established because when you have news like oh my gosh you have family that you didn't even know about they live in canada and up till today you had no idea they even existed how does that change your life? Does like your business just go out the window? Um, I know that you thought about moving to Canada. Um, I did. So take us through all that. And I actually, this is kind of like as far as I know about your story. Last time I talked to you, um, 
you were still thinking about moving to Canada. Mm-hmm. So which is a while ago. This is all news ago. to me. Right. So I um just update me on all this as well. So you go and visit your sister. I do. So long story short, after the conversation, I basically wait one or two months until my apartment lease runs out. There was no plan after that except to pack whatever I could and put the rest of my, you know, furniture and things in storage, get in the car and drive to Montreal. Okay. Where they were. Does does she know you're coming? Oh, yeah, yeah. This was all. Did she know about you? So this is the fuzzy part, and I'll be completely honest. There were times where I would have these phone calls from different people, you know, after my mom had passed away, giving me their condolences, who I didn't know who they were. Um, And there was one uh, one lady in particular um, who was family, and she was like, you know, you there's somebody out there who's trying to get in touch with you and i just did not pay attention did not pay attention um there was even a point in time where i i believe that my sister actually tried to contact me Mm -hmm. and left me a voicemail but i just did not even bother to check the voice so you had family members that knew you had a sister and everyone was keeping it from me yeah 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 um but of course you don't you don't think you don't think so deeply, you know, into that. All that matters was that, you know, you know, I finally got to meet her. And obviously, to piggyback on that, I met her um, for the first time after my dad passed away. And so I had to go back to New York and, and we cleaned out his apartment together. So that was like the first time. And when did your dad pass away? Mm-hmm. When did your dad pass away? Uh, so he passed away shortly months after I saw him for that that first time. So that that whole process was really just an awakening of I feel completely out of control of what's going on in terms of trying to find answers to questions that I just I just didn't know about. And I remember before he passed, I was planning to go back to New York to essentially go back to answer to get those answers and spend more time with him because I was only there for a couple of days. And so when, you know, all of that kind of happened, everything happened so fast. Next thing I know, I'm back in New York meeting, you know, my sister. That's how you actually met. Yeah, that's how we physically met. That's how we physically met. (sighs) Yeah. Um, A lot of emotional. Shoot. uh, Like, like, I can't emphasize enough. (laughs) If this were to happen to me or this were to happen to your average person, it would break any average person. Mm. So, and I'm not a psychologist or anything like, I don't know that because of experience is just obvious yeah. to any person with eyes and a beating heart that if that were to happen to you, I mean, it would break me. Like yeah. I couldn't gosh. And and, I, and I'll be honest. I, I was in a very vulnerable, obviously just in just a different state of mind. Of course. Um, so from learning about my mom and, and you know what happened to her, and, and having that desire to really get my business going, I was like, I didn't want to waste another opportunity, um, you know, not being able to meet her and, and connect with her. Because at that point, no matter what happens financially or anything like that, you know, family for me, I wanted it to come first. For, you know, besides my mom, it was just like, I, I want to meet her 
I want to see, you know, what this is like, you know. Did you guys get along? Oh, yeah, we got along. Okay. Yeah, yeah it's... Because <laughs> sometimes you can meet family and be like, ooh, maybe I didn't want to we, meet you. We got along. We okay, got along. great. We got along. The connection, you know, was beautiful. You know, two wonderful nieces, one nephew and a brother-in-law. You know, super awesome family. Um, it was one of those feelings where you're meeting somebody for the very first time, but you feel like you've known them, like, forever. Yeah. And, yeah, she's my sister, so maybe we have, like, those similarities. Right. But... Uh, it just felt like, not that I've been there before, because I've never been to Canada, but I just felt so comfortable. And for that point on in time, I felt like I was actually start starting to heal from losing my mom because, you know, sister, whole family, and just welcoming me with, you know, with open arms. <laughs> so um, at this point, I kind of know you. And I know you kind of told me the history story because you actually came to hang out and uh, you were telling me all about this and it was blowing my mind. Mm. Um, I'm learning new details though. I did not know mm. before, mm. Um, which is just heartbreaking. But uh, I also knew at this point your business kind of took a backseat like, and you were all about like, yeah, I'm going to get to know my sister. I'm thinking about moving to Montreal. Um, you're starting to learn French. Mm-hmm. Um, after this, after that is complete mystery to me. Yeah. So um, you also, at this point, if you don't mind me sharing about the car. Not yet. Okay. It but do you mind me yet. talking about that? Right now? Like, I guess. Okay. Oh, oh, I didn't know if you wanted to go like chronologically. Yeah, yeah let's do or... chronologically. Okay. okay. So okay. how do we get to that? So we go from you talking about your family, and I know that you put kind of like your business on the, on the back burner, which I completely understand. Yeah. But I think uh, putting it on the back burner had results that you did not expect. Yeah. So anyway, I don't know what, but go on from there. Full on, full on emotion. I was kind of at the height of where I would would want to be in terms of you know, clients and, you know, financial, uh, financial aspect. Yeah. So when I started making that decision, you know, going to Canada, I wasn't thinking of anything else. And then I started getting, you know, bookings from a really good client of mine. So I would stay in Canada for about a month, you know, just as long as I could. What? Um, yeah. And continue to go back to do work in North Carolina, get the job done, come back to Canada you know, were you working up in Canada as well? So, excuse me. I did, but I was assisting another photographer who my sister introduced me to. Okay, and um, that opened another door that I did not know even really existed until you know I had that Later. experience. Yeah. Okay. Um, so, I mean, what happened to your business? Did it uh, kind of stay? If I left for months or a month at a time, mm-hmm. I would come back and have zero business. Yep. Zero. Yep. Is that what happened to you? That's exactly what happened. <laughs> okay. <laughs> That's exactly what happened. Um, you know, I was living a very different lifestyle at that particular point in time. Like, yes, I was healing and growing, um, but I also felt very free in terms of just kind of creating and then learning 
what I could learn and push what I could push. So the traveling made me understand a lot more about um, the desire to be a photographer and everything that kind of incorporates underneath that, except the fact that I left my business kind of unattended in North Carolina. Right. But I was trying to build something and learn something new you know, in Canada whenever I was, when I was there. Now, is this a new industry you're trying to break into? Or? It was, it was a commercial. So he, he was a fashion photographer, okay. you know, for, for a couple and of What magazines. were you doing mostly in Greensboro? I know a lot of portraits. A lot of portrait sessions, uh, you know, kind of half in, half out in the corporate world. I was still okay. kind of deciding, you know, right. what I had wanted to do, but mostly portraits. And, and in Canada, you were learning to do commercial. E-commerce, okay. a bit of fashion as well. Um, so I was really sinking my teeth into a variety of unknown, you know, niches and markets, right. you know. Cool. Um, so uh, you come back to zero business in Greensboro, mm -hmm. uh, which sucks because if you've got a good referral cycle going, mm -hmm. it's only there because you've kept it fresh and you've maintained it. Uh, I imagine is that just completely dead gone like what do you come back to are you like living on the streets no no it, it's it's slowly tapered down one of the last few times I came back you know from Canada it was just gonna I was I was so caught in the cycle of coming and going right right and I was staying with family here so you know it was just kind of like man I, I love this but I never yeah, took time to nice think to do, like right. dude, like what what are you doing you know like honestly like it's great to it wouldn't have thought it wouldn't even occur to me in your situation at that point either like right. who cares yeah because there's like when you had that type of life experience that you were having uh, first of all the tragedies the lowest of lows and the highest of highs mm -hmm. i mean yeah uh who cares about oh but where should i uh you know sign up for an apartment who who cares? Yeah. Um, all right. Anyway, I keep interrupting you. Um, so just, just keep going with, uh, you know, you're living with family in here. You're living with family in Canada. Um, what happens to your business? Where do you kind of come back down personally and then take us like to modern day? So basically came back to NC, you know, I had, already things booked so that was the the goal was before i come back home there's something solid book right for me to come back to right and that's what i had thought when i came back so maybe a couple of days into it i'm preparing for a job the job falls through i'm like okay not a problem you know um shortly after other jobs were falling through falling through falling through and that's kind of where it was like okay what's going on you know and right and Twilight Zone. Twilight Zone. But I still had this, you know, pull and attraction to just get back in the car and, and go to Canada. So it was kind of like, uh, you know, Jekyll and Mr. Hyde kind of scenario. I was just like, man, I really loved my life when I was with them. Even if you took the photography aspect, you know, completely out of it, um, it can go either way. But what I was building in North Carolina was steadily coming to a halt. And I had no idea, no idea how to fix it. See, that's like uh, every photographer's or business owner's or entrepreneur's worst nightmare mm -hmm. is happening to you yeah. or was happening to you. Yeah. Um, 
So how does the story go from there? Do things get better or worse? Well, it usually gets worse before it gets better. <laughs> That's what they say. Okay. That's what they say. Um, so there was no income coming in whatsoever. I had a little bit of, you know, credit card debt, obviously from, you know, kind of investing in myself, you know, bit by bit, obviously with full intention of making Pay my up. payments on time. Yeah. So that was never like an issue at that point. Um, so when things started to slow down, I just, I just kind of froze up freaking out, you know, you know, so my, I have a connection with a family who owns a restaurant kind of near where I was staying. And so I was like, you know, let me, let me just go eat there. You know, it's a nice sunny day and have conversations with them, you know, just to kind of get my mind off things. And, you know, we were kind of talking, you know, back and forth and I was kind of like sharing, you know, a little bit of you know how Montreal was and, you know, all, all these experiences and she's like, uh, well, I asked her, like, do you know a good, you know, tax accountant? Like, yeah, absolutely. In fact, he's right around the corner. Like, let's let's go over there, you know, behind the building where we were, and I'll introduce you. So she's literally like, taking my hand and walking me up to the building. She's like a mother, like a motherly figure, you know. So I allowed her to take my hand and walk me over there. Um, and so I meet him. You know, we hit it off. You know, we exchange. You know, a bit of conversation. And uh, he basically says, man, I really like you, man. Uh, have you ever thought about, you know, taxes and, you know, counting? I was like, no, can't stand numbers. What are you talking about? <laughs> I don't want to do that. Um, but no, it's like, like, seriously, like, give it and then give it some thought. Because at that point in time, he was kind of helping me set up, uh, you know, QuickBooks and, you know, things like that. And kind of getting prepared, you know, to do the taxes. and Right. Into from, a QuickBooks. Yeah. Not sponsored here, but... <laughs> do it yeah <laughs> um you know so i guess i i took you know you know a good good time to figure things out and he was like hey i think you know i would love to offer you a job if you want it and my first initial response was absolutely not no way but i was like you need this job go and take it you know who knows this is probably god much better than working lowe's or ups yeah 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 so i was like oh my god if, if this is you like I'll, I'll do it and so i worked with him for about nine months and learned a lot about the business on the back end financial wise that I did not know. We need to talk. <laughs> you need to share with some industry secrets. So maybe we can have another <laughs> podcast just about how to stick it to the man. Yeah. Okay. That'd yeah. be great. Uh, but anyway, <laughs> um, continuing on. So, so I had never, I had no idea you worked for an accountant or as an accountant or, or as an assistant. I'm not sure what you're doing. Mm-hmm. Um, you worked for him for nine months worked with him for nine months, learned as much as I possibly could. And I kid you not, you know, obviously when tax season is kind of over and done with, things get slow. Mm-hmm. But I was kind of still like, not at the very end of it, but kind of like drawing close. And one day he says, don't need you. You know. Not, oh, so you didn't quit. I didn't quit. It was just like, yeah, like we... Like we're, we're getting ahead of schedule because I think they were a bit behind and I was kind of there making sure like helping okay. in any way that I could so it was like yeah we're, we're good man you know thank you and I was like oh boy you know Ooh. oh boy now during these nine months uh, you kind of have safe footing mm-hmm. while you've got that are you trying to kind of um, recharge your business uh, get clients work in the evenings work in the weekends I'm not sure what your hours were the accountants uh, but were you working full-time there or part-time? No, it was full-time. Okay. It was full-time. So are you working overtime to try to do photography and get that back up on its feet? or I had the weekends to 
try to gain more clientele, but also for me, producing content consistently was a really good way for me to attract more clients because I had, you know, passion projects and personal projects that I would, you know, like to stick my teeth into every once in a while to kind of, you know, keep things fresh and learn techniques and try different things. And that would always allow me to attract clients, you know, but I didn't do it intentionally for that purpose. But then I learned like, like, no, this is really a way that you can strategize and kind of market yourself because there are clients out there who really enjoy uh, a creative who is putting themselves out there in terms of okay yeah he does x y and z but he's also doing this i like that i like what he did there Mm -hmm. let me try to contact him because we think you know maybe we can work with him and collaborate with him on something that we actually want to go in that direction so a lot of that was just you know trial and error you know and and me just kind of like trying to stay above you know water creatively Okay, I mean that sometimes that's what you got to do. I yeah. mean, so uh, nothing shameful to admit there. I no, mean, no. honestly, a lot of people will not admit that your business go through those phases. And uh, I went through the same phase when I moved to Greensboro. I worked as a car salesman for two months. Um, that's an experience I'll share more about later. Mm-hmm. Um, we've actually got someone uh, that is already scheduled to come do the podcast. I think and not next week, but the week after that. Awesome. Uh, who worked with me at the car dealership. Nice. So, yeah. Can't wait to hear that. Yeah, he's got um his own business now. He's got to start his own restaurant, and he works uh, in some finance. I'm not sure. We'll find out. But, okay. uh, you know, he's a cool guy. Awesome. So what are you doing right now, and where did the car situation fit in all that? So the car situation, so I, those of you who want to know, um, I was getting more traction again with the business. Yeah. I had moved out of, you know, my family's house with, with no income at that point because right. this was kind of after I I left or I didn't leave, but I was released from the tax <laughs> office. Yeah. Um, and immediately, obviously, I had to find a job. So I started working at UPS. I was still at my family's house at the time. And you had worked at UPS before? That was my first time ever working at UPS. Okay. Yeah, so, so what year is this? Uh, 2018, okay. 2019, kind of. All right. Okay. So it was just one transition from the other. At this point, I did not know if I was ever going to pursue photography, photography again. And, and UPS was a different experience for me. I'm a very hard worker always. But it's pretty brutal. It's brutal. But it taught me so many valuable lessons of things that I did not instill within my business at that particular point. Like what? So, uh, you know, I was working a shift from, you know, let's say 2 a.m., 1 a.m., all the way to 7 to 8. If we were in peak season, you're going in earlier than that. So sometimes you're going in at 11 p.m. and you're not coming home until 8 or 9 a.m. that next morning. Um, But what I understood was if you really value what you do and if you take the passion side out of it, like us, we will stay up hours and hours until the job is done or trying to perfect something and work on something, strategize on something. The workers who come into UPS, I mean, it's like they take the emotional aspect out of it and get the job done. And I almost, I did not do that. It's not just emotional, it's physical. They take the physical thing. It doesn't matter if your knees... Burning your back. Yeah. Yeah. You're essentially just a human body working in this facility. Right. And I met some amazing people there. Um, 
but understanding that, you know what, like I never, I never was the guy who woke up at two or three o'clock in the morning just to work on something, you know, and then it became when I was working there, I was like, I would give anything to get up at two o'clock in the morning and work on something. And I had no idea, you know, how to kind of transition. How kind of like lucky we are to be able to even have the opportunity. Yeah. Yeah. Um, So I was there for around the same time, around the same length as I was at the tax office. So like nine, nine months and peak season was approaching. So obviously the hours were going to go up and I was just completely just drained and exhausted. At this point, I wasn't doing any kind of shoots on weekends. I I just used the weekends to rest, you know, because when I'm not, you know, you know, sleeping, I'm just trying to get as much energy for the workload, you know, on the next shift. And, you know, I remember having a conversation with, uh, you know, she's like an adopted mother. I have two. They know who they are. Um, And I remember her saying, like, you know, you've like, I I know you want your business and, you know, you you've gotten kind of comfortable in a way. And I'm looking at her and I'm like, like, you know that I value everything that they've ever done for me and learned so many lessons within that time of that I was actually with them. Things that I didn't even learn when, you know, my mom was here, you know, just being able to see this this family together did not see that ever until I was there. Um, and with the other family that, that I have a connection with as well. So it's just like a just a lot of growth um, in between those moments before the business ever started to pick up again. Right. And at that point, you know, if we can, you know, share or talk spiritually for a little bit, I always thought that, you know, my God, this is my plan and this is what I'm going to do to get from, you know, here to here. But we often forget that, like, God will acknowledge that, but he will also take you zigzags and loop the loops. Here first. Yeah. He'll even take you to the very beginning just so you can understand, like, what this is really all about. And I I truly did feel like that's kind of where I was I was going to. Um, parts of my character, you know, were, I felt were just kind of, um, stripped down to be re- rebuilt, you know, back up a lot of things that I wish I would have learned younger. I was learning at that point, you know, in time. And I almost was at a point where, man, I, I don't, may not like working at UPS, but I started, you know, respecting it. I started respecting, you know, everything about it. So I was struggling internally, but I still wanted to have that second chance to you know to get back into my business to start creating again um so at this point you know i was in a a relationship still you know living you know with my family and you know i had to to backtrack to this conversation that i was having with her you know she was like you know i'm gonna give you you know to the certain time to get the funds to get an apartment and of course I've never been in a situation like that where it was just like tough situation. It's a tough situation because you know that's family and they've shown nothing but love and it's just like yeah, but I have no idea how to get back on my feet because I feel like I'm starting from ground zero. All First of all, again. like you're really good to be able to even take that conversation and not be resentful. Like <laughs> I, <laughs> I listen a lot to uh, kind of like Dave Ramsey. I'm not sure yeah, if you're yeah. okay. I love Dave Ramsey, and there's all sorts of callers he gets on gets that says hey you know i've got a friend or family member who is mooching off me i'm not saying you're mooching off anybody 
That's what I'm saying. I'm talking about people who do mooch off people. And, uh, you know, they're just terrified to even have that conversation because of the awkwardness, the confrontational aspect, the, the potential for just horrible relationship destroying stuff. Mm. And often you hear like follow up calls from these people. Yeah. So I had that conversation with my mom who's mooching off me, you know, or my son who's like 40 and still live in the basement. And uh, they said to sue him. Mm. And do I take my son to court? What do I do? Right. This is like, so first of all, just, you know, getting that type of conversation and then saying, yeah, okay, let's do it. Yeah. Man, you like freaking good guy. That's why I have you. <laughs> so I have you here. And it's not like ego, man. I mean, you ego could strike him up like, what? I thought you were, I thought you, you know, but that's the thing, like <sighs> going through all of that, you know, moment by moment, strip that, away from me and I was never you know uh, egotistical guy or, or I had a lot of pride in terms of you know better than someone but one after another it was just one humility check you know and the mindset that I was in at that particular time was you know I was I was very like to myself a lot and uh, you know learning that you don't have to be blood to be loved by someone you don't have to be blood for someone to think of you as their own child and that 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 took a very uh huge toll on me and you know understanding that that was real that was real so powerful when we had that conversation i was like you're right you're right and she was like you know just have faith and you know the opposite of that is true you can be blood and not exactly be loved exactly Um, exactly um and, you know, she said, you know, just have faith, trust God and, you know, he'll he'll provide. And that was kind of where that pivotal point in my life spiritually kind of went to a direction that was very unknown for me. Um, my relationship with God probably did not fully grow until that that point, mm. that point. She gave me the date and I said, okay, let's do it. No idea what I, what I was going to do. And you're still, you're still working. uh, I was still working at UPS. I was still working at UPS. Um, At least you had proof of income. I did. Right. I did. And at this point in time, I was like, regardless of how tired I was, like, I'm going to get this done. And this was the first time that you would ask me to be uh, with you. Yeah, I, I asked. Oh, okay, yeah. okay, okay. Yeah. I also asked you at one point if you wanted to work with me full time. Yeah. Hey, would you turn me down? <laughs> That's fine. No it's hard okay. feelings, it's obviously. Love, it's, love, it's your man. choice. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, it's fine. We got another assistant, James, who's great. Awesome. Who you guys have already met. But um, uh, all right. So that was well timed, I guess. Mm-hmm. Raleigh went well. You did a great job. Thank you. You yeah, killed absolutely. it on the editing. Thank you, man. Um. Hopefully that helped you out as well. Get back in on your feet. Yeah. Uh, restore a bit of your confidence as well. Um, so did it work out? Did you get back? Are you still working at UPS or no, there's, there was no UPS. Um, so after the first, uh, you know, job that I did with you, I was able to book another job that came right after it. Good. And it was the exact amount I needed to move out and to get back into an apartment. 
and you know fortunately for for me i uh, i had a relationship with the apartment complex already this is the same one before i left from montreal so i didn't have to go through any kind of background check or anything it was just like man we're you know good to see you uh hope things have been well let me know which date and the keys are yours essentially nice. and i was like all right god like this this has to be because <laughs> literally i'm not doing anything but just doing the best that i can at this point right um and so man i and this was another humbling moment. I kind of just, you know, I moved in. I think it was like one Friday night or something. And, you know, uh, just couldn't get the furniture out just yet. And so I, I spent my first night there with a sleeping bag. And it was just like how I got back to this point. And, you know, it, 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 it was a about, big adventure. Like It was a big adventure. Literally full circle. Yeah. Coming back to the same apartment complex. Yeah. Moving back in. Back to square one. Back to square one, like literal, like literally ground, ground zero men. Um, this time you've been through it before, though, so you know exactly how to get your clients. Yeah. Now, did things get better? It it got better. Okay. It, it got better. Things started moving a lot quicker, um, a lot faster. I started, and and this is a lesson that I kind of wanted to express to to anybody you know who who chimes in is. It it really is beneficial to lean in on your community like lean in on who is around you at that at that point in time because my mindset at that point was okay i've got to i've got to do x y and z to market and, and get myself out of there when in reality it's like well let me see if i can use my resources that i have now to see you know what i can do with that and obviously i kind of learned that lesson you know with you from that just based off of how we met you know, at church. And that was just kind of like to myself at that point, I really, yeah, I was just like, man, I can't wait to get to back to Canada. And right. You know, um, and you would like, besides the, the photographer I met in Canada, you were the first person, first photographer I've met in Greensboro who was like really awesome and, and, and just very kind and, you know, very, you know, yeah, I find, uh, I've had a very similar experience. Um, I'm not sure. I mean, obviously within our industry, we have a lot of, um, paranoia mm-hmm. I think uh, from other photographers like obviously you can't just introduce yourself to a photographer like oh hey here's how I make my living um, feel free to take all of that for yourself if you right. want um, but I have found you know there's a lot less to be afraid of um, there's a lot of business there's a lot of work to do out there you can either take a scarcity mindset or an abundance mindset I don't like either of those completely uh, or the people who kind of look at it, either of those. But I think if you're willing to put in the work, you're going to find the opportunity. Right. Um, so I've never been afraid of meeting other photographers unless you're a photographer who uh, isn't very good, but you think you're a photographer. So you go around from client to client ruining the reputation of photography as a whole because people will hire you to do professional photos mm. and then those photos don't work to help those people and then they think photography doesn't work so they're never going to hire another professional photography again because they tried hiring a professional photographer mm-hmm. and it didn't get them results right then it's all then the other type of photographer don't like someone who may have some talent or not but uh they're just pricing themselves to uh essentially ruin all the other competition. So they're going down and they're taking the industry with them. Mm. If you're not either of those types of photographers, I'm 
perfectly happy with you. I you could be ten times more talented than me. I don't care. Like just as long as you chart, you price yourselves appropriately, and uh, you do a good job. Right. That's right. the only requirements I have. So if you if you do that, and that's honestly one of the reasons when I saw your Instagram, I'm like, I need to meet this guy. Like <laughs> this guy's. Yeah. Because uh, when I got into photography, I was firstly into portraits. No, no, actually. When I tried to go pro, I was into people and stuff. But when I was just an amateur doing my own thing, I was mostly into cars and uh, nighttime landscape photography. Anyway, mm-hmm. uh, we're getting off topic. Um, so that's when you kind of met me at church, and I don't go to that church anymore, or any church for that matter. Um, and you kind of get back, up back on your feet, back at square one. Mm-hmm. Um, do, do things go well? Or better than the first time, or about the same, or worse, or is it just the way you had done before didn't work this time, and you had to figure out a whole new way? Like it was a completely different, different way, um, and it was funny not to continue on the story of how I even you know got out of UPS, but there was another pivotal point at that at that time where I was at UPS and I was like. I need to get out of here and, and, and do this. Right. Um, I have a very similar story. Yeah. yeah. And so there was a, there was a point in time where a client had, you know, reached out to me. He was a bit of a mentor um, and kind of talked to me briefly about a, you know, funding opportunity. If I could get, you know, a really solid, cohesive business plan, you know, together. And that's kind of like all I needed that, that, that extra ooh, to, to kind of like, you know, move forward. And so I kind of used that motivation to put together a business plan, which I did not do in the beginning. Okay. Did not do in the beginning. Um, so that really understood, you know, projections and, you know, how to kind of do a little bit of research for your competition, what they're charging, you know, what the market value is, um, you know, things of that nature. So it really got me even more, you know, curious about, you know, what else is there as far as information wise to learn before you go ahead and, and actually start your business and, and getting and attracting clients? Um, because for me in the beginning, it was just like, well, I'm, I'm learning at a fast pace. And every time I learn, I post, I'm attracting clients naturally. But I know a lot of people don't have those experiences. Everybody has their own different way of, you know, going about doing things. And, and you know, for me, at least to my knowledge, there wasn't a lot of information out there in terms of what other photographers were doing, if they were willing to kind of share a bit of their background. no information out there. Yeah. There's like, if you go on YouTube and you go to podcasts and whatever platform you want, you can find all the tutorials in the world on how to edit something, on how to do something creative. But when it comes to practical advice... Yeah. There is nothing out there, and that's one of the reasons why I'm starting this podcast and my YouTube channel, so that I can set the record straight. Because, awesome. uh, man, there's so much stuff that people need to cover, Absolutely. and it's not being done. And it also really annoys me when someone tries to teach someone how to do a photography business who's never done a photography business. They've done a YouTube channel. Yeah. Which is not the same huge, thing. Huge difference. Huge uh, difference, man. <laughs> all right. Sorry. So, okay. you struck a chord with me. <laughs> uh Rant yeah. over. All right. So um, uh, you were saying that, uh, you know, there's not a lot of information out there. 
to run a business, especially mm-hmm. photography business, mm-hmm. like practical advice. No, no. So you had to figure it out on your own. Did, did. And, you know, uh, you know, my girlfriend at the time, you know, she helped me kind of find a really great website and tools to put together, you know, a really solid, you know, business plan. And, you know, long story short, the, the funding fell through, but at that point it didn't matter because I had been waiting on the hope of funding coming through in order to kind of, you know, really get back where I kind of left off. Um, but that didn't happen. Are you talking about getting a personal loan for, or so at the time it was just like like a grant something that I didn't really oh, have to okay. you know to pay back but you know for whatever you know intense purposes it did not work um, which was fine yeah I already had that grit already to just this is gonna happen regardless right. if I get funding don't need it um, and so I started attracting you know clientele um, I kind of met someone through a friend who was interested in. Uh, you know, doing some, you know, like a commercial type advertisement, like a video project kind of thing. And that's kind of what I really was passionate about deep down is cinematography, filmmaking, videography, things like that. I'm getting more attracted to that stuff too, man. Yeah, I'm kind of getting a little bit, I still appreciate it and I still love doing it. But uh, every once in a while, I'll see a cool YouTube yeah. video or a cool scene for a movie. I love Bond movies, man, yeah. especially the Daniel Craig ones. And, mm-hmm. uh, it's like, man, wouldn't it be really cool to shoot an action movie here in Greensboro? It would be. Like, it would be. It it could be done. Like, we have we have the the cameras that you need to do it. We don't have to do a full Hollywood set, mm. but if you had the talent and you wanted to dedicate the time, you could. You could make a script. And honestly, a lot of the Hollywood movies they're putting out suck anyway. They should hire somebody better. There's they a should lot hire a homeless man off the street who can't speak English to write better scripts that are releasing in Hollywood right now. I'm pretty sure that's probably happened at some point in time. <laughs> you know? I mean, what? I mean, that's all L.A. is anyway these days. Yeah. yeah. <sighs> uh, anyway, um, so yeah, I think I think it could be done. Yeah, uh, it could be. Sorry. I, I believe it can be done. Um, but yeah, so essentially, you know, I'm having this conversation with this individual. Things seem to be going really well. Uh, and this is kind of where I had to learn another lesson you know, with having ironclad contracts, because essentially, you know, we had written out a script, you know, essential story to promote his his brand, his product. And, you know, I welcome a client to be on set when we're filming that way, you know, because, hey, let's try this, try that, or just to give him that extra boost of confidence. Hey, man, this is going to be, you know, really great. You know, so he was, uh, you know, kind of verbally signing off of everything before we moved on. And by the end of it, um, I noticed some things about, you know, he was kind of going back and forth with a lot of things. He all of a sudden was sure and then wasn't sure. He starts, you know, that sign. Yeah. Coming up with different ideas and what we agreed in the contract as far as, you know, uh, the, the project was concerned you know, obviously I have witnesses with me while I'm having this conversation. And so it's like, you know, at one particular point in time, he was like, yeah, you know, you know, things just, just know, you know, just know. And and this is a phone conversation. One Friday night, the project is, is done. And Did, have you delivered it already? Delivered it and, and all of it. He calls me and it's just like, you know what? Um, I think, you know, I'm just, I'm just going to toss it. 
And then he starts saying, you know, I wish you well on your future endeavors. And I'm just like, what is what is this man saying to me right now? And this um, is when you really needed it. I mean, this is when I needed it. Like this is now or never type of. This is now, now or never. Um, and so basically, you know, he kind of. We've all been, we've all had these clients yeah. that especially, this is what I call the, um, the roast and post. Mm-hmm. I'm going to make a video uh, that's like the top strategies clients use to not pay you. Yeah. And um, this is what I've already called the roast and post. Mm-hmm. They'll text you or email you or call you and say, oh my gosh, you know what? This is the worst thing I've ever seen. I'm not paying you for it. Uh, can't even use this stuff. Bye. And I'm not sure what your client did, but oftentimes after they say it's not good enough, they'll use it. Yeah. Did he end up using it, by the way? Uh, he says no. But I had I have no way of, of checking to see yeah, if, no, if, if he used it or not. And and this and, and this Doesn't is matter. the first client that I've done with that I've dealt with with that particular experience. So it's like you go from praising everything that we're doing as far as production value is concerned, all of a sudden yeah, I'm just not feeling it. Very common. And very did not know that was even a common thing. I'm like, what? you know. Now, did you have anything in writing or email or text that would say at agreed upon price? anything yeah i mean that that was all you know in the contract oh, so you actually have contracts yeah there there was a contract good and good. this was an ex-military you know kind of guy so his mindset was like i don't care what you think it's my way or the highway but i'm yeah, very well, like uh, i'm very firm and he fought for a uh, country <laughs> that has laws and <laughs> you can't just break them like that yeah um and so obviously I was in a very vulnerable and desperate place. And so, you know, the last conversation we had is like, yeah, I'm not really don't want to go this direction anymore. I just, I don't believe in your quality of work when less than 24 hours ago you were praising everything that I was doing and ready to go full steam ahead. It's with classic someone who's trying not to not pay you for your work. Yeah. And he's um, like, well, are you going to pay me? You know, are, are you going to reimburse me for the down payment? I was like, no, that's non-refundable per the contract, which you can't void because you say that you're dissatisfied. And it says that clearly in the contract. And then he starts going. Way to go for having that in writing, by the way. Yeah. It, it, this sounds familiar because you called me about this and you asked. I did, yeah. And I, did. Uh, I have actually gone through a very similar situation recently. I took him to small claims court. Mm-hmm. No issue. Less than two minutes. The judge ruled in my favor. Yeah. And uh, currently I had to fill out another form, which um, was like right to seizure, like seize property. Yeah. Uh, then he has the opportunity to um, exempt, but essentially he will pay me, mm-hmm. or he will the the county will force the sale of his property. Mm. See, I wasn't even aware that okay. was even a possibility. Oh, yes. oh, so that's and great. you have, I think, six months to file small claims. Okay, and in small claims, you pay like a ninety dollar fee, at least here in our area, mm-hmm. uh, depending on which county you're in. Uh, you don't have to have a lawyer or anything. If you have a written contract that he signed, mm-hmm. you've got him dead to rights, mm-hmm. dead to rights. And I'm always uh, a proponent of, you know, someone like that will always try to then threaten you or threaten your reputation. Does not matter. Every time, stand up for yourself, not only because it's the right thing to do ethically, but also just practically speaking, these types of people usually don't have a large influence in their community. Mm-hmm. And the only people that they do have influence people are people who are like them. Right. Kind of like if you do work and get a referral from a $100 client, they're going to send you $100 work. Mm-hmm. If you do work for a $10,000 client and they're going to send you $10,000 referrals. Right. Right. If someone 
threatens to spread bad mouths about you and they haven't even paid you, they're going to tell the their uh, crooked, manipulative buddies mm-hmm. who you don't want anyway. Right. Um, anyway, that's just uh, me preaching on the side there. But uh, mm-hmm. you need to, I know for a fact you didn't, because uh, you told me about this later, you didn't end up taking him to small courts. I, I let it go. I mean, I, I got to the point where I found, you know, where, you know, he lived. And at that point, this is where I lost the car because I was depending on that, the rest of the payment to catch up on to all of my bills in reality. And, and you so, got your car repoed. And that's when the and car that's what I wanted to talk about got repoed. Um, and uh, the details of the repo, too, is you're sitting at your apartment. You walk out of your apartment and the tow truck is there. And you essentially catch them in the nick of the time because you're like, hey, and then he's expecting, I'm sure, like a fight or explanation. You're like, man, just let me get my equipment out of the back. Yeah. So you had your equipment in the back, too. So if they had taken your car. Yeah. That would have been real bad. Yeah. So, so let me let me go back to actually tell this accurately. So this yeah. is the job that essentially could have solved a lot of yeah it's taking me from starving to all right yeah. i'm on my own two feet um so i actually to correct myself i actually got the car repossessed the first day on the job with this with this gentleman so at at the location at the shooting location before this is okay this is morning this is okay. morning time i actually morning. went out um to grab a couple of things came back in before 10 p.m had all of my gear kind of packed ready to go and i'm I got it. I hear a truck outside, you know, Let's check what's at, up. at this time thinking UPS or FedEx or something like that. And I'm, I'm opening my blinds and the tow truck literally has already towed my car and is driving away. And I'm, Oh, so it was that close. Yeah, it was that close. So I'm, I'm rushing out the door. Obviously all of my neighbors are at work already. So there's nobody there. Yeah. Um, I'm chasing this guy. This is 10 AM or 10 PM? 10 AM. Okay. 10 10 AM. And, right. and the shoot is, starting at 6 p.m. So you got to figure out a way to get there. Yeah. Because you got no transportation. No transportation whatsoever. (laughs) (laughs) I'm not laughing because that's funny. I'm laughing because it's tragic. Well, I can laugh because it was tragic and funny. Um, (laughs) That's not funny. That's horrible. Being where I am right now and looking back at it, you know, obviously I made it. All right. Well, good. I can't wait to hear how. Um, but yeah, so I'm, I'm I'm talking to this gentleman, and you know, hey, there's nothing you know we can do, you know, call Honda, and, and obviously I've talked to Honda, and they just got to the point where you know we can't wait anymore, so they they took the vehicle. Okay, had to chalk that up and swallow it, you know, right then and there. Um, I said, well, <laughs> sir, I have almost you know five six thousand dollars of gear in the trunk. Can you give me some time to get it out? And at first he was just like, nah. But then I was like this is my full-time business sir like come on and so he's like okay 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 so he you know backs the car back up that was very kind of him if you're listening yeah. which you probably i can almost guarantee you aren't but uh <laughs> people out there who've done good deeds thank you yeah absolutely yeah um so i open the door i'm just really just grabbing and going and grabbing my gear and, and just kind of putting it on the concrete and uh take all my valuables and belongings that i you know didn't want to forget and I, I say thank you, you know, one more time, and he he takes off. <laughs> thank I'm, you, sir, for repoing my car. Yeah, right. And you're doing your job. I understand. <laughs> yeah, um, and just kind of that surreal feeling. So, did you tell him thank you though? No. In my mind, I'm like, dude, come on, man. Like, just, bro, come on. 
No, but I mean, did you tell him thank you? I did. I did. I said, look, thank you for giving me the time to get my gear out because if I hadn't See, seen I mean, you, uh, I can't imagine someone saying been, thank you for repoing my car. It I wasn't mean, like thank you for repoing. It's just like, dude, thank, thank you for reconsidering. Still giving me some time to get. And you're gear like out. the freaking nicest, forgiving dude. I, <laughs> I just kind of try to release it as as fast as I can, man, and not try to hold. Man, many grudges, man. I could drink a bottle of mercury; you wouldn't even expect <laughs> me. I've swallowed so much poison. Okay. <laughs> but yeah, bro. Um, so I, you know, I gather all my gear, hike it upstairs, calling my friend who's a part of this project with me, who's running sound, and I'm like, "Yeah, like the car just got repoed." And he's like, "And it's like it didn't even phase him. It was just like, bro, it's all love, man." Uh, you know, we'll we'll drive together to the shoot. Everything's gonna work out. And I'm just like, did you not hear me? Like, bro, my car just got repo. I don't have a vehicle. I have a business. You know what I mean? Like, that's that's it. Yeah. Like I'm but done. He, but he took you. He took me. He took me. He took so the me. the same guy who took you, but all, and knew your situation, also didn't pay you. No. So this is my friend who actually introduced me to the client. Who okay. Didn't pay me. Okay. Yeah. I'm sorry, I'm confused. I got confused. No, it's okay. It's okay. All um, right. So the the shoot in terms of you know what we were doing was Good. just well. it went well. Yeah. He the the client had no idea what happened. He had no idea what happened that Which morning. is always the best situation. Always the best situation. You know, just going that was like the first time I really like learned to take everything out of me, get the job done and figure it out later. You know, at that point I was just completely focused on the client. I wasn't focused on anything else. Just getting the job done, getting home and trying to figure everything out. And this was like a two or three day shoot, so we were able to figure out transportation, you know, for the rest of, you know, the the work times, the work hours. Um, so, you know, there was a, a dealership across the street from my apartment and um, came home one night. And I was like, hey, like, let's let's pull in there and find got your Toyota RAV4. Yeah, got Toyota RAV4 just kind of sitting out there with yeah. an amazing price. And I was like, dude, I don't even have the funds to get this. How am I going to do it? You know, Lord knows my credit score is probably going to take a hit because <laughs> of the, you know, the car. Getting oh, the repo. Oh, yeah, yeah. man. Um, and so there was a bit of like, you know, fear and insecurity, not wanting to go and just inquire about the vehicles. Like, you know, let me let me go up there and talk to the guy. I had a buddy of mine, another buddy of mine come out, check the vehicle out, run, you know, ran solid. Um, you know, and about two weeks later, no, a week later, I was in the vehicle. A week later, I was in the vehicle. Good. Um, and that was that was, you know, just a huge part of that that testimony. Yeah, it's important to be able to drive to the to the work i yeah. mean yeah can't even get your job ups without a car Mm-mm. absolutely man um so yeah that was a story on on how i lost it but then you know something amazing happened god came through and was in another vehicle you know a week later awesome uh, now is it all happy live happy live after after that you started getting more clients and steadily but surely yeah um and i will say that that experience ripped the confidence out of me Cause you're thinking that it was my fault. It was my fault. What did I not do? And I'm sitting there like, I knew I did a great job. You know, this is something that any client would, would that's what manipulators to. do, man. I know. I mean, they, yeah. they really do. And I can tell you about manipulators because, um, I've known a few. <laughs> um, and that's one of the reasons why, uh, even though I am extremely extroverted, I have learned to be a little bit more introverted just as of like self-preservation mm-hmm. with sounds. Same. 
um, bad, but it's true. Yeah. And uh, I have learned to recognize manipulators, but I still get surprised mm-hmm. sometimes. Uh, running, running a short-term rental has really yeah honed my skills on liars, especially. I can imagine. But um, so, how did you regrow your business? That experience is awful, obviously. Mm-hmm. Um, but um, how did you boost your confidence? Have you, you know, next client, just one client at a time. Just you know, one client at a time. I kind of, you know, went through this odd phase of, you know, refinding, you know, the the true purpose behind why I was doing it in the first place. Yeah. I kind of like lost my my place there a little bit um and things were just kind of happening it just felt like non-stop like like lesson after lesson and I was like am I ever going to get to that point where I can just be back on track uh and you know I I ran into a, a situation where I had realized that since the losses that I had suffered from you know my parents I could see myself kind of kind of falling down the rabbit hole in terms of you know mentally stability um and obviously that was affecting how i was producing work you know communication timing everything uh so you know i went through you know months of just getting that balance back and and refocusing me before i could get 100 percent focus back into my business yeah um, and uh, that's something you guys got to do i mean that's what's so hard especially when you don't have a business that's scaled right because one of the benefits there's pros and cons of of being self-employed and being one-man show Mm -hmm. but one of the big cons is if you're not ready to work no one's gonna get the work done Mm -hmm. uh so keeping yourself on square footing all the time and always being on your game yeah is a real balance act, man. Mm-hmm. Like, that's something I've learned more recently. Um, I don't know why I've become recently more or less just, usually I'm always on. Yeah. Like, especially in my 20s, I'll just like, I don't care if it's raining, I don't care how tired I am, I don't care how little I slept last night, I'm going to wake up today and I'm going to hit it so hard, and mm-hmm. I did. Yeah. Um, but, man, I'm not sure after I turned 30, I think it was, it's more in my head, but I've had to kind of like recheck my footing. Mm-hmm. Um, and I didn't have any parents pass mm. away or anything close to what you had. So yeah. once again, all credit to you. To But it's also interesting too, I will say that you went through your mom dying and your dad dying. That didn't sound like, I mean, obviously, it's a personal thing that you're going to have to go through. Mm-hmm. But that didn't affect you, it seems like, as much as it did a client's taking advantage of you. Like, I mean, obviously, it affected you personally. But yeah, a client taking advantage of you, a complete stranger taking advantage of you, can really, like, throw you for a loop. Like, yeah. get to you. Yeah. It doesn't have to be necessarily a, a tragic life event. It could be a complete stranger who just really. Yeah. It, the, the loss did break me, but I didn't realize it broke me until when that broke me. Yeah. 
I had been on a hundred since both of them had passed and I dove into my work. I dove into the study of photography to kind of mask everything else that I was, you know, going through. Um, and I think that's why I put so much like love and energy and effort into the art and the craft. So much value in it. Too. So yeah. much value. So much personal yeah. value in it. Um, and when it dawned on me that that's what was actually happening, that kind of made me really understand that mental health is not something that's often talked about in you know, the creative community. And, and just I in think uh, it's not often talked about for guys, especially. Yeah. Um, yeah. Not to get, uh, you know, gooey because you know I'm not a professional in the thing but there's definitely I know we talk a lot about these days in politics about equality um, but the awareness that's out there for male issues male diseases mm-hmm. that are, that is just not there I mean look, the male homelessness is through the roof but there's far more shelters there are for for women and children than there are for men. Right. Like explain that. Anyway, I don't know. Yeah. Um, yeah. So especially for someone <laughs> like you, like he's been through all that, mm-hmm. man. Uh, sorry. Mm-hmm. Let me make sure that's working still. Good. Yeah. It looks good. Cool. Um, sorry. I'm, I'm kind of just mind blown listening to all the stuff you've been through and you're just mm-hmm. sitting here kind of talking as it's, <laughs> Like, oh, yeah, this happens. Then, yeah. you know, my mom passed away. I got to see my dad. You know, I forgave him for all we did. Then he passed away. Yeah. Then I found out I had a sister. Yeah. Um, when's the last time you've been back up to Canada? Are you? Since the last time. Uh, so before before the tax office was the last okay. time. So, so it's, it's been a while. Been a so while. you've really kind of recentered and refocused yeah. back here in Greensboro. I had to. Yeah, I had yeah. to. You still close with them though? Yeah, I try to. Do you get to see them on at least Christmas or holidays? Well, I mean, since COVID, I, you know, uh, we, just, we can't go anywhere. Yeah, um, especially Americans. Yeah, <laughs> especially Americans. Uh, <laughs> all right, so um, you cut. You took the hit, confidence, um, but you started to grab clients. Now, when was this uh, client who didn't pay you? I mean, and then COVID hits. COVID hits. Yep. So, I mean, where are you like right now? Are you doing okay? Are you getting your bills paid? Uh, obviously, you haven't gotten your Toyota RAV4 repoed. So, <laughs> no, no. Uh, things are going pretty good. Or, and if you want to talk, if you're looking for clients, what are the kind of stuff that you do do that you're looking? What kind of clients are you looking for more of? Sure, sure. Um, so the beginning of last year into the beginning of this year. So 19, uh, sorry, 19, from 2019 to 2020, 2020 yep. one of the greatest years of, uh, right. 2020. Right. Um, my, my main focus, yes, was about the business, but making sure that I had my head on straight before right. I, I attacked this, you know, from a different angle. Um, and there was a point where, you know, spiritually, I wanted that to be the at the forefront because it, it wasn't technically before, you know, um, 
for me it was like man sometimes we just get so caught up in in what we have and what's going on and how things are going we just forget about like the creator behind it you know what i mean yeah like the the gift that you've been given the insight that you have the knowledge and understanding that you have um as creatives we can really take it for granted too sure for sure and for me that was like above all the most important you know aspect to get grounded again absolutely um I was dealing with a lot of, you know, anxiety and um, at that point, for me at least, was not diagnosed by a doctor, but I had been going through bouts of depression because I knew how hard everything that I had just experienced hit me. And with everything that happened with that client, it made me be still for for just enough to realize where I was. Catch it up to you. Yeah. And that's where it caught up to me. Um. And, you know, I, I did what I was supposed to do, you know, spent time with God, you know, got back uh, to, you know, physical exercise, started really embracing the things that I love doing, you know, because sometimes even if things were going well and I'm so invested into my career and the work that I'm doing, you know, you really have to remember who you are at the end of the day. Remember who you are. Remember. Simba. <laughs> <laughs> you know, um, and when COVID hit, I was ready to go. Ah, I know exactly you know how you I mean? feel. I, like I, I was, was ready to go. I was in my step. I was ready to go. Yeah. Honestly, um, uh, anyway, I won't ever. <laughs> yeah. So, um, so COVID hit. You're ready to go. Then COVID hits. COVID hits. Everything is shutting down. Um, you know, again, all the jobs that I had booked had to take a back seat, as with everyone. Yeah. Um, so, you know, I picked up some side hustles, did a little bit of website design for people, even did DoorDash for a while, you know, um, until things started picking up. But then I realized I wanted to rebrand. I wanted to go in a different direction. I was doing a lot of things um, in terms of niches and markets. And I was like, I'm going to eventually get to a point where I'm going to get exhausted and I don't want to do this anymore or something is just going to happen right. where I'm just like, I'm out. And the last thing I didn't want to happen was to come to a place where I felt like I was a like general photographer. That's like a bad place to be in terms of, oh yeah, you go to the guy who can do everything. and But the way people perceive it is, is oh, he's like Walmart. He's, he's cheap. He does everything. I didn't want to be that. I was never that person, but... I didn't want to. That hurts. Yeah. Okay. No, like I didn't want to. <laughs> no, I, I didn't want to be in that category. Like I really wanted to stand out. Right. Right. You know, because when I, you know, think of you, I'm like, dude, like this dude's like getting it done. You know, he's he's in there with the real estate. Like he's grinding. He's showing his productivity on on you know online. That was like motivation for me to to kind of. You Thank know, you. I I did notice. I wasn't surprised. I was surprised. Um, through my two or three years, I went through a self-imposed three-year self-improvement thing where I was regularly posting progress and stuff. Mm -hmm. And like a year into it, the three-year self-improvement program, about a year into it, I realized how many people were like following it, private messaging me. Um, I need to do another thing like that. So mm -hmm. it's interesting that yeah, it's motivated. Anyway, yeah. all right. So you're rebranding. Um, what are you thinking about rebranding or what are you looking for? in your rebrand or 
this is all because of COVID. You, you have time to kind of like think about this. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so there's a, a lot of, a lot of cluster of work that I have had accomplished um, over the years. And I kind of wanted to get really secure in, in what I was doing. Cause by that point I had done, you know, editorial type work, uh, you know, portraits, fashion, headshots, corporate, even, you know, a little bit of videography, you know what I mean? And I was just like, and weddings too. And I was just like, I, I just need to choose one or if I can't choose one, then two that I'm, you know, the most, right. you know, kind of passionate about. And so I literally took months off of Instagram. I think I posted like once, told, made an announcement. That I was like, hey, you know, I'm, I'm starting to rebrand guys. And if you don't hear from me, just know all is well. Please be safe during these difficult times, you know, something like that. And I was just like, I, I went to work. Right. I went to work. Um, completely stripped down the website, stripped down everything that I had done. I kind of got a bit creative and I set a lot of my favorite pieces of work on my wall so I could really like just take back and, and look at everything that I've done. It was kind of, I don't know if you've ever done this, but immersing yourself in your work really shows you. I've really been wanting to do this. Yeah. Where did you get your um, prints? So I print everything. Ah, I print that's everything. Right. That's right. Mm-hmm. Um, I had some friends who were very creative and we got some string of LED lights and, you know, put them up on my wall, uh, and kind of got these, uh, uh, clothing hangers, small ones and kind of clipped all my favorite pieces of work. Even the memories that I had in between. I think, I think I saw one of your Instagram posts recently where you were editing some photos Mm -hmm. Yeah, and I think I saw that and I was like, that's really cool. Yeah. 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 Um, You're doing some portrait work, I think, for Reza, right? Yes. Yeah, that's yes, right. That's awesome. Yeah, that you saw that because when I got back to that phone. You're doing a live down. Instagram, right? Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, yeah I saw um, that. And, you know, I, I'm i a photographer. I, you know, I love videography. I love cinematography. I love film. You know, I, I, I know what inspires me and pushes me, but I've never like immersed myself in everything that I had done. It was just like from one project, one job to the other. It wasn't like, let me sit down and, and see what I've actually done and created over the, over the length of the couple of years, you know, it's amazing when you do that though. Yeah. Yeah. And, uh, and then that's a backtrack bit. There's a, there's an Apple commercial that was just aired probably like a month or two ago. And it's a, a photographer in Brooklyn and he's basically shooting uh, medium format film, shooting a portrait in his studio. And it's basically very similar to how my room was laid out. And, you know, he's stripping away things and kind of building his own little set inside his room. And that's what I that's what I did at, at one point in time, too. I I took my bed and everything else and I turned my room into a studio. So for a series of months, I was just sleeping on my couch and I would have shoots in my in my room, right? Because, and I think I posted something on on Instagram where I had some behind the scenes and like this is what it is. Like, I had my backdrop. I had some things that I that I knew that I wanted as far as a, an aesthetic in terms of my work. And it's like you don't need the most expensive gear to create something unique and authentic. You just need, you know, some lighting, one light. You just need uh, an idea and a vision to execute and people who are willing to 
you know, be a part of that. Um, but going back to that commercial, it just kind of reminded me of like the, the rawness of, of photography and just being a creative in general. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. Like, why is it that you are a photographer? Like, yeah, I went through all of those things and I had connections here and there to get into it. But like, why do you do it? Like, why Why? do you do it? You know, why, why do I do it? And so I really had to come to terms, um, to figure out that why, because if I couldn't figure out the why there was no point in rebranding or even moving forward for that matter. So there was like that off chance where, at some at one point in time this was a full-time career and obviously i'm trying to get back on that path of of moving forward full-time again there's no way i mean there's no there's like you're absolutely you can do it it's just a matter of yeah time and how yeah um but that gave me kind of like the resolve to really ask myself that question and i think when you ask yourself the question you and you really know that deep down innate desire of why you do it then nothing can stop you at that point because now that's where the confidence started coming back that's where all the ideas and projects started coming back into play um and so i just started writing things down taking notes um watching binge watching tutorials you know on on youtube and you know if if anyone was being productive like i wanted to know about like what they were doing and um just for just for that added you know inspiration um so when i came to terms with why I did it, I looked at my wedding, you know, work, and I was like, well, why do I do that? And for a while, it was just like, I have no idea, you know, because I didn't... Meet Hugh's rep, meet Hugh Breadsmates. You know, it was, (laughs) I just kind of got, like, like the story began, I got into corporate work, I wasn't doing weddings, and I I eventually got into weddings, Um, but then I had unintentionally built up a portfolio where like this is the direction I think I want to go with it because you know you know me like I wasn't very like traditional I wanted things to look as natural as possible I wanted couples to actually have fun right you know what I mean um and to go and travel so I was just taking every bit and piece that I've learned you know, since my mom had passed away and I was kind of instilling those ideas and lessons into the photography. Um, So I kind of rebranded my wedding, you know, to a specific market. And then I rebranded everything else, like the portrait work. It's like, I really love, uh, you know, commercial work, you know, editorial lifestyle. Um, So I was like, okay, well, all of that are kind of, sub niches under the commercial photography aspect so let me let me do that then and uh you know i had these personal you know film video projects that i was doing weren't paid they were just strictly you know passion projects which i really love this is local for i think i've seen a lot of this for the local community here in greensboro right Mm -hmm. yes yeah um and then i i documented kind of a little bit of my journey when i was going back and forth to canada So I was, you know, traveling the longest way possible to get to Canada, um, you know, bypassing the tolls and going upstate New York, like to the Adirondack Mountains Mm -hmm. and just kind of taking my drone and and shooting everything that I could. Then when I got into the city, you know, if I wasn't with my family, I'd I'd get in the car and just just drive, you know, in, in an unknown territory, unknown country, didn't speak a lick of French and all the signs were in French pretty much. And, uh, 
it was just so much of a raw experience for me. But anyway, I, I eventually, four years later, produced a project that I that I shot. Um, I taught myself the importance of sound design, you know, storytelling, all yeah. of it. And it was a necessity. And I kind of looked at it. I was like, man, like I almost beat myself up because it took you four years to make that edit. I was like, yes, it did. But I would have made it completely differently if I had done it back then with the knowledge that I didn't have now. So I'm cool with that because now we understand what it means to bring real value to clients. It's not just, oh, this is really fun. I really enjoy this, but it's like, you know what, if I were to step into, you know, office space or a company or a brand, it's like, you know, if, if you were the brand that I wanted to work with, you should always walk into a situation fully confident. Like I've, I've researched your brand and I've seen, I've seen the work you already have, you know, on your website, all the content that you produce, um, perhaps a projection of what you would make off of, you know, you investing in creatives to produce something of value going forward. So that's kind of when I knew that that's the direction that I wanted to go in, in terms of I want to build relationships with clients long term, almost like investing in stocks. Yeah. You don't you don't invest in the stock to get an immediate return. You you let it grow even through thick and through thin. You wait and you wait and you wait. And that's kind of the understanding of I guess a strategy that I kind of had, you know, in mind. So that was kind of it, you know, going through COVID and just rebranding, stripping things down, rebuilding it back up in hopes that it would all work out. Right. You know what I mean? Um, and eventually what I discovered was when I made the decision to get into, you know, cinematography, commercial work, branding, helping and, and building up people who were either just like me, who had no viable resource whatsoever, no access to creatives who were able to help you get along your way, like representation, like real representation. Um, that was that was the, the crystal. Like that was it. That's when I knew like this is exactly what I want to do. And as soon as I you know wrote down everything, clients were just you know clients were coming. Good. Clients were coming, um, which is a huge blessing. So um, even in COVID? Well, no. During COVID was just the preparation phase. Well, still still COVID right now. Yeah, it's still COVID. Um, I mean, it's gotten less COVID, but still very much living in the aftermath of COVID. Yeah. Um, but doing well. Yeah. yeah. I mean, I'm, I'm, I'm getting there. Yeah. For sure. And that we're always getting there, to be true. Though. Always. <laughs> All right, man. Always. I mean... Uh, it's a pretty wild ride. Mm -hmm. Still a wild ride, man. <laughs> this is a wild ride. This is an awesome opportunity. Yeah, I Thank mean, uh, uh, I just want to interview, especially as people start viewing these or maybe several years from now, they're going back to square one and seeing how it, how it all started. But uh, mm -hmm. essentially my goals for this podcast is just uh, interviewing real photographers, not, you know, what I would consider not real photographers. I mean, I, I don't want to sound awful when I say that, but just photographers who are fake face, mm -hmm. fake YouTube channel, fake uh, advice. Yeah. 
um, because I can hear all and watch all the videos online of uh, here's 10 ways to get to increase your income in just one month. Yeah. It's just like, but I've never seen bait. your work. It's clickbait. Yeah. Like you're literally producing content and making up content to try to get views. Yeah. Um, and the truth is there's so many people out there who have great experiences uh, to share, uh, great experience to share. Mm-hmm. And all you got to do is talk to them. So I know you, um, obviously, uh, James, who, uh, you know, was episode one. We've got a few more lined up. Uh, Basilio is probably going to be next. He's actually a very fresh photographer, but successful in the business world. Mm-hmm. Um, and I know of a few people are already asking. And we're going to have a lot of people who come on here who have nothing to do with the photography industry. Okay. Because uh, as you were saying earlier, there's a whole lot of people out there who are giving advice on how to do photography, but not how to do a photography business. Mm-hmm. One of the best things I learned from one of my mentors, Jeff Amberg, and I'm going to try to get him on here as well, is that uh, if you want to be a successful professional photographer, if you want to make this your living, you've got to think 80%, 20%, 20% business, 20% photography, mm-hmm. uh, which I kind of didn't agree with at first, but as I've grown and experienced and learned what he meant by that, um, I agree with 100%, 1,000%. Mm-hmm. But... uh Anyway, anything uh, you want to add? Any plugs you want to do? Where should they follow you? Your website? Um, if they're interested, if, what you're looking for as far as uh, the projects you want to want to do? Um, so yeah, uh, if anyone wants to follow me, uh, I've got two accounts. One is my you know portrait commercial work is at uh, the J Hampton on Instagram, and then at Wedding Bloom. That's W E D I N Bloom. Um, for my wedding Instagram account. Yeah. So you are you are doing weddings? Yes, I okay. am. All right, nothing I wrong with that at all? Nothing wrong. Not, don't mean that at all? But it's a specific market, though. Okay, what kind of specific so market? So it's more intimate weddings, uh, elopements, traveling, destinational mm-hmm. type ones, because I feel like those are the clients who really want to invest in their day rather than investing in just a photographer. Right. And so with that um, comes a lot of no's to clients who do want to book you. But then it's like you take more initiative in understanding what are the client's needs? What do they want? And in mid conversation, you you kind of figure out like, okay, this person may not be for me or my aesthetic is might not be like the best fit for you, which is fine. I kind of like being at that point because it gives me that option of saying, you know what, I think maybe I could recommend someone else to you. Yep, I do that all the time. You know what I mean? Who yeah. might fit you better. Before, I was just taking wedding after wedding, job after job. But now it's like I've got that There's set some foundation. There's some do want to do. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I've got that set foundation to be like, you know, this is kind of what I'm building that I feel in control of rather than the client is the one who puts value on me. Mm-hmm. It's, it's the other way around. Cool. Yeah. Uh, do you have a website? I do. So www.wedandbloom.com okay. and then uh, jhampton.com for my commercial work. All right, man. Uh, it's been great. And uh, thank you so much for hopping on. What time is it now? We're on a Friday night here at 1130. 1130. So uh, it's a good conversation. Just about two hours. Solid, man. Not bad. Solid. Uh, 
this is exactly the type of thing I want to do. So looking forward to having more of this. And if you would like to see more, of course, wherever you're seeing this, I'm going to be posting this a lot of places, but make sure to follow, subscribe, like, comment, whatever you can do. Uh, and feel free to leave a comment down below right now, especially uh, since we're just getting this started out. I am going to be responding, reading to everyone's comments. Um, if you have any questions that you want like me to answer or possibly uh, if you want Jason to uh, answer some, maybe you know I can even uh, show you those, some of those comments. We'll be happy to get back to you. But, man, absolutely, this has been an incredible story. Uh, not many people have the kind of story like you have. So <laughs> uh, congratulations on just working through all that. Obviously, there, I'm sure there's going to be a lot of challenges Um in your future as well but uh man nothing that you haven't already faced yeah yeah so do can we give like last like remarks or yeah absolutely um, I'll, I'll leave it with you so I, I guess this is for everyone but especially for those who were just starting um you know in the process of experiencing all these things i would always recommend to do not be afraid to try everything and it, it's it's not going to be uh, a negative impact on how your business is going to go, you know, forward. It will give you more valuable insight on what you want to do and where you can see yourself marketing wise to be a value to somebody else. So true. Absolutely. Um, and, and also don't forget to lean in on who you have around you. If you can't find anyone to collab with or work with, look into your own backyard, your own neighborhood, you know, kind of focus on those people. I think it was Annie Libowitz who said, like she focused on a lot of people that was close to her to build before she started actually, you know, producing that type of work where she is now. And mm. I never really took that into consideration until I realized like how true that it was. And, and, you know, creative wise, it's about, you know, building those relationships and building those connections. Right, especially in, uh, you know, weddings or even like commercial work, you know, portrait work, you know, things like that. You're telling somebody else's story, you know. Absolutely. You're telling somebody else's story. And kind of piggybacking on what you said about someone who calls themselves photographers. They get like this really great job and they don't do so well in it. And it's kind of like this mask that, you know, some, some people do wear. Maybe they don't understand the true value behind it and it's like i'm just doing this for a check check yeah but in reality it's so important to understand a person's story so that a full accurate representation you right. know and and two you're giving them that opportunity to be showcased in that in that light that they need to be showcased in yeah it's it's you just know. uh raw communication really mm -hmm. just Absolutely. Whatever they're trying to show. Yeah, absolutely. All right. When, uh, well, thank you so much, Jason, for coming out. Hey, thank you, man. Uh, hopefully we Appreciate can uh, do another one in a year or so. For sure. And uh, see where things are from then. But anyway, uh, that's it. And uh, we'll, call it, we'll call it good. Awesome. All right, thanks, man. Yeah, man.